If you've been listening to my show, you know we talk a lot about mold and viruses and germs and jazz like that. Well, I found out about a company called True 47, and they're harnessing the power of silver to enhance people's health and well-being. And you know, I'm a huge fan of colloidal silver, and these guys use this silver in their products. They've got antimicrobial properties that inhibit the growth of viruses, fungi, and germs on contact, and in many cases, skin irritations and conditions, including acne. So you want to go check it out. Go to true47, tru47.com and use the code Julie20. Again, that's true, tru47.com and use the code Julie20 and you'll get a 20% discount. Julie Ryan, noted psychic and medical intuitive, is ready to answer your personal questions, even those you never knew you could ask. For more than 25 years, as she developed and refined her intuitive skills, Julie used her knowledge as a successful inventor and businesswoman to help others. Now, she wants to help you to grow, heal, and get the answers you've been longing to hear. Do you have a question for someone who's transitioned? Do you have a medical issue? What about your pet's health or behavior? Perhaps you have a loved one who's close to death and you'd like to know what's happening. Are you on the path to fulfill your life's purpose? No matter where you are in the world, take a journey to the other side and ask Julie Ryan. Hi, everybody. I have a special guest for us this week. Her name's Janneke Awainis, and she is from Oslo, Norway, and she considers herself to be a spiritual teacher. I find that she is very wise. She's interviewed over 400 global spiritual thinkers and philosophers and people from all walks of life. And interestingly enough, she was a child star and was a, an actress and a performer on stage when up until the age of about 25. And then she had a spiritual awakening and started doing this work. So I have lots of questions for her about not only what led her through that experience of being a performer that led her to be in this line of work now and what some of the information is that she's gleaned from talking with all of these thought leaders from around the globe. So I hope you enjoy our conversation. I'm really looking forward to it. Remember to like and subscribe and share your comments and share the show with others. And let's go see what Janneke has to say for herself. Hi, Janneke. So thrilled to have you. I'm really excited to be on your show. I've been looking forward to this for a long time. We book, booked it way back when, and I've seen lots that you're doing also. So I'm really excited to be here. Oh, my delight. Tell everybody where you're located. I'm located in Norway, uh, very close to Oslo. So way up north, uh, it's starting to get very cold here. <laughs> oh, gosh. And I'm in the southeast U.S. in Alabama, so it's still pretty nice here. We don't even have any color on the trees yet. We'll get that in about another month. So I'll send you some warmth in the meantime as you're starting to go into winter. You call yourself a spiritual investigator. What does that mean? 
Yeah, I I like that term because I started doing interviews on YouTube in 2012 with amazing spiritual teachers like yourself. I'm going to interview you very soon and I'm excited about that because I was really curious about the questions of life. And of course, it is linked to my story uh, that I felt really lost in life. Um, and now for so many years, uh, I've been doing all these interviews and I'm still very curious about the big questions of life. So I find that term very uh, fitting to me because I'm really trying to understand more of why we're here. What is the meaning of life? What is our purpose? What is my purpose? How can I be of service? You know, did I come down here to this earth for a deeper reason? So yeah, I'm investigating and I'm finding that I'm finding a lot more questions than answers actually. They're endless, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah. My husband affectionately refers to me as an information suck because I ask so many questions. And, but it's just they you, you hear an answer which spurs another question and then you just keep going. And I think I think curiosity is a really high vibration. And so when we're in a curious state of mind, not only are we being led, but we're also more easily able to communicate with spirit. We get more information downloaded. I think curiosity is is definitely something that benefits all of us. Would you agree with that? Yeah, and I've actually heard it in my interviews with spiritual teachers talking about curiosity, that it is of a high vibration. And it's linked to having an open mind, you know, what about this? And what if it's like that? Instead of closing your mind to like, this is my reality, this is how I believe everything is, then there's not much growth. So, uh, and at the same time, I'm trying also not to be, you know, open to everything, because I'm trying also to keep my feet on the ground and keep a bit of skepticism to be like, okay, might be true. I'm not sure yet, but maybe, you know, (laughs) because I do hear of many, many things and all these interviews and this work I'm doing with Wisdom from North has really blown my mind about how incredibly vast and intricate and magical and yeah, what else the universe is. Like I never knew that it was so big and it seems like everything is possible and with all the near-death experiencers that I've interviewed uh it's just amazing the knowledge and information that comes across and yeah we live in a really amazing universe and one of my passions is really to share these ideas because I felt that life was very dull I didn't really understand the deeper meaning it seemed like Everybody cared about status here in Norway and getting this and getting that and having money and having the car and having the the, the beautiful partner and the children. And, and I was like, there's got to be more. There's got to be more. I just sensed it and I felt it, but I've never been a person who's like received like, you know, information from the other side. I have an intuition, but I've never seen angels. I've never seen spirits like other teachers do. So to me, like I I really needed to dig deep uh, and also to have a few of my own experiences to really understand that this is not just something people are talking about, that there is an afterlife. Like I needed to experience part of it myself. Uh, So I started a lot of spiritual practices and that gave me 
proof for myself that yes, there is more. Uh, what people are talking about is really true. And that was important to me to have my own experience as well, not just interviewing and reading books, you know, but actually feeling it on my body that, wow, this is, this is real. Well, everybody gets information from spirit and we're all intuitive. We all come in with the ability. I, what I teach is how to develop and enhance it then over a lifetime, because I think most of us are, I don't, I don't think, I know we're all being led. We're all getting inspiring thoughts coming in. Most of the time we don't pay attention to it or we don't act on it. And, and I think that's the key is how do you know that's coming from spirit? How do you take the next step? How do you get past the fear and that kind of thing? I want to talk more about your experiences here in a couple of minutes, but First, there's, you mentioned it, you alluded to it. There seems to be something special, almost magical about how spirituality is woven into the Nordic culture in particular. And I love the Frozen movies, the Disney Frozen movies and gnomes. And, and, and then we go to Santa Claus himself. You know, that's all Nordic, Scandinavian. Those are all Scandinavian magical figures and stories and tales and all of that kind of thing. What is it about the Nordic culture that fosters that sense of magic and I think enhances the spirituality of people that hear those stories? Yeah, I'm not an expert on that, uh, but I have been very interested in our indigenous people in Norway, the Sami people, uh, and they have the same story as many other indigenous uh, people around the world, actually. They've been suppressed and all this, and they they have also been more in contact with uh, nature and spirits, and uh, that is a natural part of their nature. And to me, I searched a bit, um, or I, I, I went up north to dig a bit deeper because then I felt I came closer to sort of this Nordic mag magic. Because I live in Oslo and there, it doesn't feel like there's much magic it's there. To be honest. Yeah. yeah, it's a big city. Yeah, so I went up north and I lived with a, a Sami wonderful girl who I interviewed and she has these abilities to see things. And a lot of these Sami people, they uh, can uh, stop blood, for instance. They're uh, sort of recognized for stopping blood. Uh, and other things like they interpret signs in nature, omens and stuff like that. And also, obviously, the northern lights. Uh, and I think that the mysticism around uh, the north is uh, linked to the northern lights. And there are a lot of tales about it, um, that these uh, northern lights, they have a power. Uh, they're very magical. Um, they are giving you signs. Um, there are lots of different perspectives on this and that there are tons of portals in the north. Uh, now, I, I would say that I believe that there's many portals around the world. So to me, being Norwegian, I'm like, you know, yes, the nord northern part of the world is magical, but so are many, many other places. So I feel like all corners of the world has its own thing. But definitely we have, you know, the, the story of the elves, for instance, in Iceland. They The culture in Iceland, it's pretty interesting because they take elves very seriously. Uh, I think 
it is around 50% of the population that believes in elves. Uh, I've heard that. Uh, and also when they are doing construction work, they are sometimes asking, you know, the people who communicates with the elves, like, can we build here? <laughs> and if they are building and there's elves there, they might have problems. Like, that's that's the story. So I find that very interesting. Uh, I would say Norway is actually a country that is very secular. Uh, we were Christian, and it seemed like when we sort of throughout Christianity, we also threw out spirituality. And that's why I want to reconnect to that, because I felt that we are not open to that. And that's that's really part of my mission is also to open up to the wisdom in Scandinavia, because it's there, like you talked about, is there, it's just we are... I feel very concerned with the materialistic. Uh, so we've lost, you know, part of that northern magic. We have to go up north, you know, to reconnect with the Sami people and let them teach us. But not many <laughs> are interested in that. So, yeah, I think there's magic there. And I also think there's magic in the south and the west and the east. I agree. When you were talking about northern lights, I, and I want you to explain to those that don't know about the Northern Lights. I have a girlfriend that traveled over there and she and her family traveled there just to see the Northern Lights. And she said it was one of the most magical things she's ever seen. So I'll let you explain that in a second. But when you were talking about them, I had goosebumps all over my body. When you said there's some people believe there's something magical about the Northern Lights, my whole body was like one so that is confirmation that what's being said is correct and is valid. So explain to everybody what the Northern Lights are, please. Yeah, I, I can't really explain it like uh, um, from a physicist or cosmologist point of view, but I know there's something happening with uh, electrical particles and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, it needs to be very cold. And it happens during the night, uh, most of the time during the night, uh, but it needs to be very cold and clear weather. Uh, so that's when you can experience Northern Lights. We've had also Northern Lights in, in the South, but it's very rare, very rare. So I've actually seen Northern Lights twice in my life. So in a way, it's that seldom. So not all Scandinavians have seen Northern Lights. So most of the Northern Lights is happening uh, up north because then it's very cold and you often you have to stay up late at night, like go out in the middle of the night, like two o'clock in the morning. If it's, you know, super uh, uh, not cloudy uh, and um, it has been a beautiful weather, a lot of stars, then it can, it can happen. And it's just so gorgeous. Like, it can appear in all sorts of colors, green, uh, often pink, uh, this beautiful, most beautiful green color and uh, purple. And it's just dancing over the sky. That's why I think it's very linked to mythology because it's like the spirit is dancing actually through the sky. And it's interesting because I've interviewed a woman, I think it was Donna Ribaudo, I'm not sure, but it might've been her. her. She had a <clears throat> near-death experience where she said she connected to God, she met God. And she said, God appeared like the Northern Lights. Oh. And I was like, wow, that's interesting. Like yeah. this 
dancing flame in all kinds of colors. So it is really spectacular. And I know tourists go from all over the world to see them and they're not guaranteed it. Right. Right. Yeah, old you, mother- can ask. you can ask, I believe you can ask for it to show itself for you. Old mother nature is always in control, right? We think we can control her, but not so much. Well, and, and when I think of spirituality too, I always think of on December 13th, which is St. Lucy Day. And I always think of Scandinavia about St. Lucy Day. Are you familiar with St. Lucy? And ex- yeah. please explain to everybody about that. Of course, I went through 12 years of Catholic schools and so did my son. Well, he went through eighth grade of Catholic schools, kindergarten, eighth grade. But we always celebrated St. Lucy Day. So give everybody a little a little idea about St. Lucy. Well, to be honest, I really don't know much about it or I don't remember much about it. It is a tradition we have, but it's sort of mostly in the in school and kindergarten yeah. where, you know, Saint, uh, we called her Santa Lucia. Santa Lucia, right? Yeah, it's uh, yeah. walking at the front and the others are walking behind her and they're walking in white. And she was some sort of saint, I think, but I I do not remember the story. She wears a a wreath of candles, lit candles on her head, you know, like, like a wreath of flowers, but hers are candles. And she dates back the, the, um, celebration of St. Lucy day. That's Americanized. The Americanized name is, Interestingly enough, on the same day as the pagan celebration of the winter solstice on December 13th. But I find it interesting that she illuminates. <laughs> I laugh now when I think of that that costume that she wears with the wreath of candles. I always think, you know, that was an early miner's cap <laughs> where where coal miners will have a, a light on their helmet. Well, you know, St. Lucy had a bunch of candles on her head, so she was illuminating the path for everybody. But I always think of Scandinavian culture and countries when I think of St. Lucy Day and how how the path is illuminated for us. Mm. All we have to do is just ask and and it's taken care of. Everything's always taken care of for us. Well, do you come from a spiritual family? I know you said that Norway became very secular in in your lifetime. And was that after World War II or when was that occurring? When did that start to happen? Hmm. Yeah, I think it was a bit before that also. Um, I think, you know, Norway earned a lot of money with the oil. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think it is like a process that happens sometimes the more we are secure, the more money we have, the more we get comfortable in that. And if you don't really have existential, real deep problems, it's not always that you're keen on searching. Um, I think searching for spirituality and the meaning of life comes often from desperation or struggle or suffering. So when you are comfortable uh, and Life is hectic, going very fast. Uh, We're very concerned with, like I said, you know, having great careers and all that. Then there's sort of not so much room for spiritual thoughts. And I think that has happened more and more, that we are moving away more and more from the church. So it's a gradual process, actually, that has happened, I think. 
I think it's global too, especially in the Western world. Yeah. It's very, very prevalent, not just in Scandinavia, but all over the world. Well, do you come from a spiritual family or, or do they just think you're a little nutty in your exploration of all of this? I think actually most people have some sort of curiosity inside of them. Like I've very few times in my life met like an atheist who does not believe in anything, like anything. There seems like most people are like, yeah, maybe, but they're not so concerned about it. It's like, right. well, why spend time on wondering about that when we can just live here and now? <laughs> right. So my family, my dad was Christian. Uh, so he brought me up in a Christian belief. My mom was Christian, but never went to church. So we just went to church, you know, a couple of times each year or actually once a year. And that was Christmas. But uh, I remember my ba- uh, father read me the Bible many times. So he was, I think, a bit searching when he was young. So maybe that's where I have it from. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I mean, they're, they've always been open. Uh, but like my brother, for instance, he has three kids and he's just about the here and now. And uh, I think he has his own personal belief, but uh, he's not so keen on speaking about it. So yes, I do feel like uh, they're like, okay, should we speak about this again? You know, can't we speak about politics or something else? <laughs> right. The weather, things yeah. like that. Sports, right? Yeah. Absolutely. You in your life have been a very successful actor and entertainer and performer. What was it that, was there a catalyst moment that got you to go from that world into what you're doing now? And if so, I'd love to hear about it. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it was a deeper reason why I started doing all these interviews because I started when I was seven years old. Uh, I played the role of Little Cosette in Lives Rubble. And um, it was a lot of attention. I, I really got a lot of attention at that time, we didn't have social media, not many TV channels. So everybody almost, it felt like, had seen me on TV when I was on this TV show, uh, singing parts of um, There's a Castle on the Cloud when I was seven years old. And I think as a little child, when you get all this attention, it's not really healthy, no matter how healthy your parents are or trying to keep your feet on the ground and trying to do their best. I think it's not normal to... Um, be raised like that or or be on the stage and having that responsibility when you're seven years old. And I was constantly concerned with my voice because I was so hoarse. So even as a seven-year-old, I was like, oh, I'm so hoarse. Can I sing today? So I kept having troubles with my voice and I needed to sing, right? (laughs) And then I just got gig after gig and uh, role after role. And the biggest role I got was Annie and Annie. And we were four girls and I landed the premiere. So I heard that I was the best and Yannick is a professional. And again, I got all this applause and all this attention. And I think inside I, I felt it was difficult because I, in one way, I just knew I was so fortunate. In another way, I think I was dead scared to lose it all because that became my identity. It was Yannick is so good, Yannick is so professional, and Yannick is so cute. And then when I moved into uh, being a teenager, I remember I started to gain weight because I couldn't stop eating. I was just eating and eating and eating. And that was a very like shameful part of my life because I just remember all of a sudden somebody was saying like, 
wow, you just eat like a horse. And I wasn't aware of it. Like I was not aware that I was eating like 13 slices of um, of bread. And looking back, I realized that, of course, it's suppressing my emotions. Like I didn't handle being Annie and then moving into being a teenager where I didn't, I had a few roles, but it wasn't that big. And now I was going to be sexy and cool and all that. And yeah, I couldn't handle that. Uh, and I wasn't conscious of it. And the people around me didn't know what I was feeling. So I was so disconnected to myself. And then I, of course, started dieting. So then I started having eating disorder. And that went on for a long time. And then when I was 20, it seemed like I had this new wave of success. Like I landed the role of Rizzo in Greece. Again, I got a lot of attention at this big theater in Oslo. I had a boyfriend. I had money. I had everything. And then after that, I landed another role, like the main role in Little Shop of Horrors as Audrey. And it like, it couldn't become better, you know? Uh, I was 21 years old and I was like on my peak in my life. But that was not supposed to be my path because I started getting hoarser and hoarser. And this was different. Like I could hardly speak. And I was going into rehearsals for this new role and uh, the the director was like, you know, you can't sing. Like, maybe you should go to a speech therapist or a doctor. And I did. <clears throat> and uh, he said, you got major nodules on your voice. You can't sing. You can't even speak for a long, long time. And there and then, I knew that my life as I knew it was over. Because I realized that this is going to take months first or maybe years, I definitely have to give up the role and everything I know, like, you know, everything just stops from here. I just knew. And I remember like walking into the theater, having my father with me and I couldn't speak. And he had to say, you know, Janneke has to give up the role. And everybody was looking at me like, oh, this is too bad, you know. And I just walked out of that room and I was depressed. Like I was fully depressed. I saw no meaning of life in, in life, no meaning in myself. I had so much guilt and shame. I felt somehow that it was my fault that God or the universe had given me this voice and I had somehow done something wrong so that God took it away from me. And short after that, my boyfriend of four years left me and I had no money. And I needed to be quiet and I didn't have a purpose at all. So my depression was pretty dark. I remember I was just, you know, sitting in my apartment, looking into the wall and I didn't feel anything. I didn't do anything. It was just like gray, like nothing had colors. And, uh, and my self-worth was like, like this, like I felt that I'm not worth anything. I don't mean anything. Like, it, it was horrible, the self-hatred that I built up. And uh, I remember my mom and dad, they were like sitting just watching me and they were like, we don't know what to do. And I was like, there's no use doing anything. I'm, I'm nothing. Like, that's how I felt. But what I realized, fortunately, uh, and I, I, I know I got some help 
was that, okay, I, you know, I have to survive. My family loves me and I love them and I have beautiful friends. And some smart thoughts came in, like, I live in a beautiful country. Like, I just need to survive. Okay, I'll never be happy, obviously, but I I have to survive. And then there was another thought that was like, you know, if you do something now, you know, if you want to get out of here, what if St. Peter is saying, we have this life lined up for you and you ended it too early? And there was this thought that what if in 10 years, my life will look totally different? Like, what if? Like, I can't take that chance. I like, I need to survive this. So I started actually going out into the woods, just sat on the bench, looked at the water. And I think that helped me as as well, because in nature, you have a high frequency. And I felt in nature that I wasn't judged, but I wasn't applauded either. Like, I could just be and not stress about my status and my value, I could just be. And then I remember I started watching Oprah Winfrey, I had nothing to do. And she was talking about this power inside all the time. And I was thinking this power, I mean, if everybody has a power inside, there needs to be some sort of power in me, right? Like I'm a human, (laughs) it wasn't that level. But it started my curiosity that maybe there was something I had missed. So I started moving into metaphysics and spirituality. And that gave me, that raised my vibration because I started being interested in something. And then I found this study, metaphysical university study something. And I took a bachelor there. It wasn't very difficult. It was like something I took online, but I still felt I'm doing something meaningful. And there I learned about self-love. That was a concept I'd never heard about before, self-love. And obviously that was something I didn't have. And while I was learning this, I realized that, okay, self-love is something I suck at. (laughs) And I need to train myself. Like I need to find reasons to love myself without having to prove my worth. And slowly but surely it took me a long time, but... I had all these epiphanies. I had my belief system was totally turned around from, you know, life is about status and doing and performing and being someone to I'm valuable just by being born. Like, Janneke, I'm unique. Like the hands in my lines are just for me. All this is made for me. How much must I not be loved? When God created this and I'm alive, I'm still alive. There's got to be a reason for that. And maybe I can create a whole new life. Like all these new thoughts started happening. And my self-love grew because I started to care about that. It was nice to have the sun shine on my cheek. Like I noticed that is nice. That means that some part of me cares about me. And all these epiphanies started to happen and then something new grew and I got stronger and stronger. And then all of a sudden, a lot of things happened. I started getting more uh, gigs and stuff like that because my self-esteem grew and uh, I landed this big role in a soap opera uh, called Hotel Caesar. And all of a sudden I was a star again. (laughs) And I remember I walked down the red carpet and I was like, 
Okay, this is funny. So now I'm walking down the red carpet. Am I really more valuable now than if I pull away the red carpet, then I'm not worthy? Like, this is so silly. Like, it has nothing to do with that silly red carpet or what I'm wearing. So I did that role for many years, uh, but or for two years. But then I was like, okay, so what am I going to do now? I was 30 years old and uh, I felt part of me was sort of done with showbiz and the theater. There was something else, but I had no idea what. But I didn't fall down into depression after, you know, uh, they ending my, um, my contract, uh, which was a blessing, to be honest. Otherwise, you can just stay there and stay there. So it was a blessing. <laughs> Uh, but I had no idea what I was going to do. Uh, but I had built up so much self-esteem. So I knew there was something else. So I started studying to become a primary teacher, but still it wasn't it. I felt it. It was okay. Like I was doing something meaningful, like teaching children, but it wasn't my thing. I wasn't excited about it. So one day I'm sitting down at this cafe with my father and I'm studying to become a primary teacher. And I, I'm saying to him, like, I'm not inspired to become a teacher. And he said, well, you know, just finish the studies. And after that, you see what you do. And I was like, okay, yeah, that's a fair game. I'm going to finish what I started. But dad, you know, what I really want to do is just to travel around the world and interview spiritual teachers about the big questions of life. And in that moment, everything stopped. And it was like everything aligned inside of me. And I had this huge realization that, oh my God, that's it. That's it. That's what I'm going to do. And my father was like, what are you saying? No, I, I know what I'm going to do now. And I was like, what, what into the spirit? What, what are you speaking about? And I was like, I know, I know what I'm going to do. I have to leave you, dad. Bye. Like I had all this adrenaline. There was no doubt, no fear. In that moment, I realized that I can do this. Like I have had all the suffering. Uh, I've been to America. I've studied there. I can speak English. I've been on camera. I can be on camera. Uh, YouTube sounds like fun. Now I've just sneezed. <laughs> it went away. Bless you. <laughs> Thank you. Even though you didn't sneeze, you still get to bless you. Thank you. Yeah, it went away. So I ran home, got on my sneakers, ran into the woods, and the name Wisdom from North dropped into my mind, just like that. And I knew, oh, that's the name. Most of us have busy lives, and we know that we're not getting the nutrients and the vitamins and the minerals that we need. So I'm always looking for easy ways to ingest them. I found one. It's called Beam Minerals. And what I find is that most of us don't get enough potassium, magnesium, and calcium. Those are the big three. And so what Beam Minerals does is it's put all these minerals in a liquid form that's easy to drink because it tastes like water. It's got all these important minerals and a whole bunch of other ones. And I find that they're really helpful. They save me time. They're easy to take. And I suggest that you give them a try. Go to Beam Minerals. B as in boy, E-A-M, minerals, plural, dot com, and use the code Julie Ryan, all together, no space, at checkout, and you'll get 20% off your order. That's Beam Minerals, B-E-A-M, 
minerals.com and use Julie Ryan at checkout and you'll get a 20% discount. Give it a try and let me know what you think. Then I, in a week, I got two jobs out of the blue and this hadn't happened like in many years. I got a commercial and a TV job that gave me $5,000. So I bought a camera and I got money for a website and I started emailing people and I started interviewing and interviewing and interviewing. And I loved it. I loved it. I had so much fun. I just knew I was on purpose. How but long got, ago was this? When did you start the interviews? 2012. Okay. So 11 years now. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And you're still enjoying it, it sounds like. I am. Uh, I mean, this has been a whole new journey in my life. Like it has given me so much. I met so many people. Now I'm living from what I'm doing. Like that didn't happen before five years ago that mm -hmm. I actually could quit my other day jobs and go full, full in to do this. Uh, so it has been a long journey. Like, uh, okay, what am I going to do with this? I'm doing these interviews, but I'm not earning money, but... I always believe that when you follow your heart, you will like be taken care of and the path will unfold. I really trusted that and it happened because the idea started popping. But I think the divine uh, wanted me to be really prepared and be mature enough because I like 10 years ago, I wasn't ready to start my own company. I wasn't ready to develop any product. Because I hadn't, you know, uh, developed the, the or expanded my consciousness enough. I hadn't interviewed enough people. Like now I've interviewed around 400 teachers. I'm collaborating with teachers. I see all these ideas. So ideas are popping up all over the place. But I needed a lot of time, I think, to build up what I built up before I could go fully in, I think. Wow. What a story. And I... And I agree with you. We're we're led to do things that are gonna keep us on what it is our purpose is. And I, I believe that our purpose unfolds as we go through it. We don't come in with a map saying, okay, you're gonna start here and then you're gonna do this and then you're gonna do that and then you're gonna do that. Unfortunately, that's what most of us believe we're supposed to experience. And when we understand like you have and like I have, same thing, that the different experiences that we've had in our life have led us to be at this place now, which take allows us to take the next step. And then this whole plethora of other experiences open up, but we build on those ones and everything's valuable. Even the stuff that's been painful. When you went through that depression, well, that was part of your journey to see, oh my gosh, there's so much more to life than just being a, a movie star or a, or a theater star or whatever. And it helped propel you into doing what you're doing now. Let's change directions for a minute. What's your definition of metaphysics and what's your definition of spirituality? And do you find that they merge with one another? Are they the same thing? Tell us what, what you think about those two those two words in particular, because I think they're thrown around a lot and different people have different understandings of what they mean. 
Yeah, that interesting question. Well, I think like in academia, they have all these terms and I think they use metaphysical metaphysics as the term for explaining uh, all the things that is above. Like I think meta is the word for above or over. And so they use that to explain like like a bag full of everything that we can't really explain. Uh, paranormal activities. Um, yeah, really paranormal activities, like what we cannot see. Uh, I think that is metaphysics explained from academia. <laughs> uh, like we have physics, then we have metaphysics. Um, so sort of to explain what we're speaking about here. Not that they're saying that this is real, uh, but I use I use the expression sometimes. But spirituality, that's a huge question because I think it's a personal question. Like, what is spirituality to you, really? Uh, so I, I don't think it's defined, and I don't think we can define it. But I do believe that if you call yourself a spiritual person, I do believe you have certain beliefs, like maybe a belief of the afterlife that we are souls having a human experience. I also believe that you are practicing spiritual practices, that you want to become more of who you are, that you're concerned with living uh, a life from the heart and being the best person you can be and being kind to other people, but that you're not following any dogmas or any religion. So spirituality to me is has no rules in a way actually it has no rules religion has rules and religion needs spirituality but spirituality does not need religion so that's how i see it uh and i i can go on and on speaking about it but i i think it is a personal thing uh it has to do with beliefs what do you believe in that I w- would say spiritual people believe that there is another realm, that there is more to uh, to this life than birth to death. And I also believe that they care about a development, growth, personal growth, to sort of expand their consciousness and, and become more of who they are. Great answer. I love that. Spirituality needs no rules, but religions need rules. And religions all started out as being spiritual practices. And then as the human element got involved, then they wanted to have rules and they wanted to implement controls and things like that. But I think if you look at some of the great cathedrals of the world, what what were they doing? They were trying to merge all of the human sensorium, the beautiful stained glass windows and the beautiful structures to appeal to our eyes, the beautiful pipe organs and the music to appeal to our hearing, to our ears, the incense, the candles, you know, all of that to our olfactory. And the the whole vibe in there was to help us be closer to God. And then man got involved with all their rules and regulations and you got to do it this way or you got to do it that way. And and then it it has taken a different bend for a lot of people. And I think people are coming back to spirituality way more than religion. Certainly the statistics show that, that a lot of churches are not being very well attended 
anymore. And when you talk to people, you say, are you religious? No, but I'm spiritual. I'm hearing that a lot. Mm-hmm. Within that that vein of thought, do you think new spiritual wisdom is being created or is it just being repackaged? Are the same concepts and thoughts being repackaged for today's audience and today's where we are in the zeitgeist of the whole spiritual thought process? Wow, you have a lot of interesting questions. <laughs> um, that's an interesting question. I think personally that it's not repackaging. I think some of it is, some of it is old wisdom. And I would say first, I would say like, yes, it is like everything has always existed and we're just rediscovering and saying saying it in different ways and seeing it in different ways. But at the same time, they're saying that the universe is expanding and that God, many spiritual teachers are saying that God is actually us, that we're part of God. We're part of everything. We're not separated from God. And God is experiencing itself through us. A lot of people are saying this is a grand game. Uh, We're exploring uh, the universe and who we are. So in that sense, I would feel that we're exploring more of who we are all the time. So if we're growing, there's got to be new thoughts and new perspectives. Now, I think there are some core things also that everything is about love and light and there's goodness and the universe is a friendly place, like Byron Katie said to me, uh, that there are some core truths in a way, some pillars (laughs) in the universe. But at the same time, I think everything is expanding and thus there has to be new thoughts and new perspectives, I think. I agree with you on that. Because if you think about it, everybody's experience is a one-time experience. You and I will never experience talking about this topic at this moment in time. And then it all goes into what I consider to be the collective consciousness. And as everybody's experiences go into the collective consciousness, so I'm getting real woo-woo on you here, then we all have access to those thoughts and we can bring that information in add to it, take away from it, and create new thoughts from the information that's available to us just telepathically. That's been my experience. I'm an inventor of surgical devices sold throughout the world. I'm not a nurse. I'm not a doctor. I'm not an engineer. How does that work? Well, I connected into the thought pattern of here are the problems. What do we need to do to solve them? Brought that information in telepathically. And this was long before I learned how to do woo-woo. And then I added to it and tweaked it and brought in engineers to be part of the conversation. And that those products have been sold, some of them for over 30 years now, and they're still on the market. So I think that's an example of how it works. Do we understand it completely? No. Are we supposed to? I don't think so. What do you, I think I think a lot of this, we're supposed to be having the human experience that's mixed in with the spirituality. And that's yeah. why we're that's why we're here on I, earth. Too. I've many times asked my interviewees, <laughs> those I interview, like why is there a veil? And why do some people have the veil? And a lot of you guys are remembering so much. I asked them, 
you know, people with pre-birth experiences, like why are they remembering and not a lot of us? It would be so much easier if we Putin, you know, just remember that he was a soul. And <laughs> but that that's part of the game. I think that's what exactly. we signed up for. That's the whole point. Mm-hmm. And there is a choice there to be made that we, even though life is really hard. It's really hard for all of us. It's hard to be human. We have this choice. And we, like you said, we all are guided. We have this inner voice, all of us, this intuition that really tells us what is more beneficial to do and what is not and what feels right and what feels like a fear thing. But fear can get so overwhelming and our minds can be so manipulated that we can also be controlled by this fear. And that that's a bit scary. Like anything is possible on this earth. Like I, I, I'm not sure if I believe in evil, but it like this free will is so free that uh, we can do anything, uh, which is a bit of a scary thought, but we have chosen it ourselves to really believe in this experiment and to like Einstein said, you know, uh, illusion, what, what is it? Reality is an illusion, albeit a very consistent one. No, uh, a persistent one. Uh, yeah, I think we're, we're meant to really believe in the illusion, to really have the choice, that the choice is really authentic. Otherwise, it wouldn't sort of have the purpose that it has. Well, and you hit the nail on the head as far as I'm concerned, too, because when we pay attention to how something feels, instead of overanalyzing the daylights out of it, we're led. If it feels good, take the next step. If it feels bad, it's based in fear. Is it a real fear? Is it a fake fear? you got to figure that out because fear keeps us just in a state of paralysis in, from, a, you know, from a life expansion standpoint. And it's crazy. Because most of the things that we're afraid of are illusions, to your point. And and I agree with you, we can do whatever we want. It's all perspective. And I believe that we're here to live a life of joy. Mm-hmm. And our perspective on something that something's horrific, well, yeah, there's an element of that, but how's it benefiting the people that are going through it? What's coming out of it? Pretty much everybody that I've talked to, whether they be a spiritual teacher or whatever, they will say, oh God, that was awful when I went through that. And yet here's what came out of it that was really beneficial and I wouldn't change anything. If I ask you that question about what you went through in your dark night of the soul when you were depressed, well, it seems to me that you've benefited from that in a multitude of ways. Of course I did, but I, I wouldn't go through it again. Exactly. But yeah. but it was beneficial. And I think that's where we lose our perspective. When we see somebody that's suffering, instead of thinking, oh, that's so horrific. And yes, it is. But how is that benefiting that person? Wonder why that person's spirit wanted to explore and experience this. Were they in a past life, somebody who was the mother of somebody experiencing that or the father of or the colleague of or whatever? And they're looking at it from this perspective in this lifetime. It's yeah. fascinating. That's that's why I love spirituality because that makes sense. Like yeah. that makes sense to me. Right. Like I can understand the world much better through that lens. Otherwise, 
it doesn't make sense that we're just here and some of us are fortunate, others, others are really misfortunate. And it's just a coincidence that they were born in Africa and had no money and are starving and died. Like that's a, just coincidence. Like I've never believed that when I was a child, even though I didn't know anything about spirituality. I knew that, you know, I was lucky to live in Norway, but there had to be a reason why I was born here. And the whole pre-birth planning, I really believe it because that's what makes sense to me. And that we've all lived so many lives that we have, you know, you can feel it when you meet the person that you just connect with. I've had it so many times when I have like a feeling that this girl, like we're going to have a lot to do with each other. I, I just know. And I just know instantly from others who I'm not like feeling anything towards, like they're nice people, but this woman or this guy, like I feel so much energy. We can feel it. And where does that come from? If it's not past lives or we're in a soul group, like that explains how I feel. It explains everything to me. Well, I agree. And past lives are so much fun. I do past life scans with people a lot. And oftentimes we can get information that we can corroborate with historic documents online. And I, I would say, you just can't make this stuff up. It's just wild and so much fun to see. And you're right. There is a reason why you're living in Norway. And we touched on that at the beginning of our conversation, the Northern Lights, the magic, the spirituality, all that stuff there that's up there. There's something special. There's something special about all of them, but there's something really special about that part of the world and and how they've gotten into this spirituality thing. And think of the joy that has been spread throughout the Western world, especially just with Santa Claus, just with St. Nicholas. Mm. My gosh, the magic that that spreads every December 25th around the world, regardless of culture. And that all came from your backyard. And I think also the Northern mythology. I, forgot I agree. That. You know, the Tor yeah. and Loki and all these, uh, Freya. Uh, I mean, uh, Marvel, you know, are making so many movies about it. So that's interesting. Uh, so, I agree. yeah, before Christianity, we were a spiritual people believing in all these forces. And uh, right. I think there's a lot of mysticism actually around how they made the swords, the Vikings. But of course, we Norwegians are not very proud of being Vikings thousands of years ago. <laughs> well, and then you go back to the Druids and the all, all the magical stuff with that part of the world too. And you alluded to the elves. And one of my favorite stories was about an archaeologist who was in Ireland and he was there on a project and he asked everybody that he ran into, he said, do you believe in fairies? Do you believe in fairies? And he's, and everybody said yes. And he, his favorite answer was from a woman who said, no, sir, I do not. And they're everywhere. <sighs> That's in the culture. Farmers in Ireland won't cut down a fairy bush or a fairy tree, I think is what they call it. On their farm, they will plow around it. And it's like a bush full of thorns and they call it a fairy tree. And these people maybe are agnostic. They don't have any religious beliefs that they're practicing, but boy, they're not going to cut down that fairy tree. tree. So that goes right into the elves and the gnomes and all that kind of stuff. So I just think that's why you're there because there's such a magical component 
to that part of the world that we in the Western world maybe aren't that familiar with it. And that was one of the main reasons why I wanted to talk with you was because I've always been fascinated with that. If if you guys listening, if you haven't seen Frozen 1 and Frozen 2, Frozen 2 is amazing. It's amazingly spiritual. Have you seen it? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's amazing. And then if you have Disney Plus, watch the documentary of them making that movie and all the spiritual things that were coming about in order to make that movie. Have you seen that documentary? Oh, I have oh, to. Oh, it's that. fabulous. They're, oh. they're like a month out from release on this billion dollar project and they're still rewriting the script. It it was, they, they couldn't have done that, you know, unless it was animated, but it was, it's just really an amazing story and all of the spiritual and mysticism things that were coming in and were affecting how that movie was coming about by not only the the directors and the producers and all of them, but even the the people that were doing the music and the all the animators. And it, it's really one of my favorite documentaries. So I highly recommend that you watch that. And I just want to mention, uh, in Wisdom from North, we have a, our logo, you know, is a star and it is the North Star because the North Star is a symbol of coming home. Yeah. It's the guidance. Yeah. Right. Right. When it comes to destiny, do you believe we all come in with a game plan or do we create it as we progress through our lives? Like, do you think you came in with a game plan of, okay, I'm going to be a really famous actress and performer, and then I'm going to go through a dark night of the soul, and then I'm going to do this spirituality thing, and then it's going to lead to this and this. What are, you, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. yeah, I've actually come to believe that there is a very solid destiny there. And um, that's a hard claim in a way, Uh, but it is my experience of life that I felt that I've tried to do certain things and the doors are just not opening, no matter how hard I knock. And then this other door just opens just like that. Or magical meetings, you know, with uh, romantic partners or... Uh, this these moments where you meet this person and it leads to that and it leads to that. And that the brilliance and the intelligence of uh, my story, like it feels like it was mastered by someone else. Maybe me, like as a soul, but it just makes so much sense. That's why in 2012, I was feeling, oh my goodness, this is what I'm going to do because it all made sense all of a sudden. Like my whole past made sense that I had to go through this to come to this moment to do this. Now, I could have chosen something different, of course. I could have chosen to like hear that thought and say, no, I'm still going to just search for my purpose. And But the thing, it, thing was that it was so strong that I couldn't sort of deny it. So did I have a choice? Like, yes, we have free will, but did I really have a choice after all? And if you're sort of, let's say, I'm home in my apartment and I don't clean and I'm depressed and I'm not going out of the door and never never seeing anybody, not taking care of myself, then of course, 
I will get sick and isolated and it would, will not go well. So that's also a way to look at destiny that you do certain things and that's the natural result. That's more like a human way of seeing it. Um, at the same time, I, I feel we have the spirit that is guiding us or is within us that has this path. Now, there are many perspectives on this because I've interviewed many people on it. Uh, Robert Swartz, he has written many books about it, Your Soul's Plan, Your Soul's Gifts. And he has interviewed mediums um, where a lot of stories came forward about how we plan our lives. And he's saying that we have different plans. Like we have sort of a plan A, plan B, plan C, plan D, plan E, etc. And plan A is the highest vibrational path, which is the most full of love and peace and yeah, the highest vibrational. But we're not judged no matter what path we take. Uh, so we can do plan Y <laughs> and go forward and nothing is judged. And that is sort of a variation of your plan in the first place. So let's say your plan A was to do certain things, which was going to lead to certain things. And then you ended up choosing plan B, then other like plan, plan B in all sorts of links and correlations will set into play, will start happening. <laughs> now, and you can choose other plans as well. I don't think they're completely different though. I do believe that there sort of has a lot to do with the same, but you could choose, for instance, no, I'm not going to have a child after all. And then that child, that soul that was prepared for you will maybe go to your sister or another close to you or something like that. So there is sort of variations of it. Um, so I, I know I might not make so much sense right now, but <laughs> there is not a solid answer to this because I really believe that fate and free will go together. And as humans and our understanding, we cannot understand it. But I believe there's no such thing as going down a wrong direction because it's all learning, it's all experience. And that some that you have a high vibrational plan that you sort of wanted to go for, but you can't choose something else. But the soul will always try to get you on the plan that you most wanted to walk. Like you, you know, you plan your day, right? I'm going to do this and that. And it feels like the same, that we plan our lives and that's what I want to learn. I want to learn about self-love. I want to learn about forgiveness. I want to learn about uh, patience. So your soul will try to let you learn about it, which is often through contrast that you learn the opposite or experience the opposite of self-love. If you're going to learn how it, how can I love myself more? Well, then you need to lack self-love in order to train or strengthen your self-love and activate it and find it in yourself. So yeah, that was a long answer. Um, and do not, you know, quote me on what Robert Swartz said, because uh, he also explains it very well. And I might have explained it uh, not 100% correct, but he had all these different plans and there's no judgment from what we uh, choose. But yeah, I think there is a strong destiny there and that the soul is constantly trying to, to have us keep our word in a way, uh, have us keep our mission. 
But if we don't, like we can really resist it. Like it's possible. Then there's no judgment and maybe we'll come back and try again. Well, I agree to your point. And it's been my experience in working with many people on past life things that we come in with scripts of things that we want to explore and experience. And then I'll see a semblance of those scripts repeat throughout multiple lifetimes. And I think you're a great example because you were being led to be a teacher. And for a while you thought, well, that meant teaching children in a classroom. Well, you were being led to to be a teacher, but look what you've been doing for the past, what, more than 10 years. You're teaching people around the world on a global scale using the internet and using technology to teach. So it's still being a teacher. It's just doing it in a different manner. And I'll see that repeat. For instance, perhaps you were a teacher in a university in a past life. Perhaps you were a teacher in grade school. Perhaps you were a corporate teacher. Perhaps you were a dog teacher. You were a dog trainer. You were still teaching, but you were teaching dogs. There are a multitude of ways to do that. And this is where you're being led at this moment in time. And it's fun watching it unfold to see where you go from here in your teacher role. You know, really, even when you were on the stage, you were teaching because so many of those lyrics to those songs, I, I think of Annie, the mm-hmm. sun will come out tomorrow. Yeah. My gosh, if you just look at the lyrics, not only of those songs, but also the melodies and how you made your audiences feel mm-hmm. when you were performing for them, what were you doing? You were teaching them. Perhaps they weren't your thoughts, they weren't your lyrics, but certainly it was your energy that they were tapping into and you were providing joy in the form of entertainment to them. How profound is that? Even as a little child, you were doing that. So that's really extraordinary when you think about it from that perspective. So your whole life, it seems to me, you've been teaching in one way or another through the different paths that you've been taking. So I would say that there's a really good chance that being a teacher in this life is very much part of what your spirit came in to explore and experience. Does that make sense? Yeah, and yet I don't call myself a teacher, you know? No, no, no. <laughs> but, but that's what you're doing. Yeah, if other people look at me like that, that that's fine. I, I look at us as all teachers for each other, but I understand what you mean. Like, I, I feel like I'm communicating. I, I'm a communicator of messages. Uh, and that even, yeah, theater is communication, is channeling, it's teaching. Uh, so I, I'm feeling that I'm doing the same, but just in a different way and a, a sort of a deeper message. <laughs> Absolutely. What do you say to those who are hesitant or fearful to step out of their comfort zones and live their life's truths and live where they're being led? Is there a piece of advice that you can give to those that are feeling like, I I know I'm supposed to do this, but there are just too many other reasons that are preventing me from doing this? Yeah, um, I so fully understand that. And I so fully understand the fear 
and that we have to make ends meet and all that. But if you do feel that you're supposed to do something else, then you're supposed to do something else. And then the more you're doing what you're not supposed to be doing, the more you're going against the stream, against your truth, against your nature, and it will not end up well. Like it it won't. Like the flow and the path is in that direction where your heart wants to sing. That's where you'll get the flow. So you'll get a much easier, more beautiful, more giving life by going after your heart. Like, of course, still life happens, but that's sort of where you're home. That's where you're meant to be. be. And when we live in fear, we actually create a lot of resistance and contraction in our lives and in our bodies. And a lot of people I see are getting actually sick because when they're lying to their bodies, they're shutting down, actually. They're not living truth. Like they're not living their life force. So things are becoming blocked and people are are having fatigue and uh, ailments and, and become sick because actually this energy that is supposed to be expressed I believe is turning itself inwards and becomes destructive because if we have a creative force that we want to express and we're not expressing it, where does it go there? Then it has to go somewhere. That's how I look at it. So the more we lie to ourselves, the more difficult it becomes. And it's not like you have to do it all at once and quit your job or whatever it is you want to do. You can take slow steps, but just start to walk in the direction that where your heart is telling you to go, because that's where you're supposed to go. And you'll be guided all the way. Maybe not that you're seeing it, but if you notice the signs, if you're open to your observing your emotions, uh, we get signs from life everywhere. Maybe you're seeing the same number again and again. Maybe you're seeing some symbols. I was seeing jaguars everywhere, like on commercials and paintings and pictures. And jaguar stands for transformation. So I was getting a lot of confirmation in 2012 that I was on my right path to leave the theater and move to something else. But take also care of yourself. Like you don't have to, like I said, quit the job. Like I didn't dare to do that after eight years or something like that. So I needed to be secure, but I just felt truth in my heart that this makes me feel joyful. And people around me were saying, what are you doing? Like you're not earning money. You're spending so much time in front of your camera doing these interviews. But I, I, I just knew. And I think it has to do with self-love as well. Honoring that inner voice so much. Uh, honoring your feelings. Understanding that that is the most important. And it's not egoistic. Because egoistic is actually going opposite of that. Uh, and many can think, well, but I have you know people to take care of. But yeah, but, but you need to take care of yourself as well. Again, if you lie to yourself, it won't go well. Like in the end, I don't think it will go well. So you have to put on your own mask, you know, in the airplane before you put it on others. It's the same thing. We need to take care of ourselves. Then we become much stronger and can take 
care of other people in a whole different way and being of service. Like I really believe a soul's purpose is to being of service to the universe and this planet and also to yourself. And that is deep self-love. So the more you follow your calling or if you don't have a calling, just your heart, then you're contributing in the way you're supposed to actually on the planet. I completely agree. I believe we're here to live a life of joy. I believe we're here to be of service. I believe when we're being led on our path, it's fun. It's interesting. We want to know more. We're enjoying it. The money will follow. If you want to do it as a career, the money's going to follow. Just pay attention to how it feels. Bless you. And and then go from there. Let's. I, I'd like to pick up on your comment about manifesting things. And I find that we as humans, we compare ourselves to other humans in a multitude of ways. And it makes it way easier to do that now with social media. We think, oh, that person, that yanaka has got a life that's just amazing. She's beautiful. She's smart. She's having fun. She gets to do what she wants to do. My life's nothing compared to hers. Well, you know, you have bumps in the road too like everybody else does. So what is it that we can do so that we are not comparing ourselves to other others? And is it is it helpful that you've found, I've heard you talk about going off autopilot to help us manifest things. So speak more about that for a few minutes. I don't know what you heard, but I, I've spoken of so many things through the years. So I'm not sure what you're referring to, but I'll I'll just speak to this uh, because uh, comparison that uh, I'm passionate about this because that can steal all your joy. Like the more you compare yourself, the more, the harder it gets. You'll you'll never be good enough if, if you're going to compare yourself with everybody all the time. And I've felt this, that I compare myself all the time to other people. And then I just stopped doing that. I started to focus on my uniqueness instead, focusing on me. And it's not, it's not egoistic again. It's actually self-love, seeing the beauty of who you are, starting to love your body, starting to love your personality, no matter how it is really start to honor all that you are, your body. Like I, I realized that, oh my gosh, I'm so grateful that I, I can run in the woods. Like I, I'm healthy. So I, I changed my perspective on that. And when you compare yourself to others, you'll very seldom either feel better or less. And what's the purpose of that? We're all equal. We're supposed to be different flowers, looking different, having different purposes and jobs and expressions. So we will always look at, you know, the grass is greener, but the more we look over to the green grass, the more yellow our own grass will be. And I I love that. You have to water your own grass in order for to have it green. And comparison is good just in one way. And that is to let yourself be inspired. So let's see, I was comparing myself to you and watching your show. If I go into, oh, she's doing all that and she has this team and she has this great whatever and she's so great at interviewing and I'm not doing that, then, you know, immediately my energy is, um, yeah, yeah, I'm being drained and I'm being low in energy. I could instead see, oh, it's so cool that she asked these questions. Like maybe I could ask more 
questions like that. And that's inspiring. And maybe I can do more of that. Because when you're inspired by someone, then you have something of the same in you as well. Like there's something there because you're triggered by something. So that's a high vibrational feeling. Inspiration is a beautiful feeling. It's a very important feeling. So see if you can let yourself be inspired by others instead of comparing yourself. And then I was also thinking about the comparison thing. I was interviewing the former prime minister of Norway. And I thought if I went in and thought, oh my goodness, he's a former prime minister and who am I? I'm the small blogger and blah, blah, blah. And then I would go into the interview being like this, you know, and nervous. And I was fully going into, okay, he has his own experience, which is awesome. A lot of experience. Everybody in Norway knows who he is. That's great. But his experience is not more valuable than my experience. I just have another experience of being Janneke. So then I was looking at two people having two different experiences and we were sitting there talking and I felt equal. And I've never forgotten that moment that I felt equal to a former prime minister because that was my perspective. And it turned out to be a very good interview. So yeah, this is like you said, it's also linked to manifestation because when you let yourself be inspired, you're high vibrating on a very high frequency. You're not in fear. You're in the world of possibilities. Like I was watching, to be honest, Lee Lumais when I was uh, back in 2010, 2011. I was so inspired by her. And I thought, hmm, I could do that. It was something in the back of my mind. I could do that. So when I had this epiphany that was so strong, I realized I'm going to be the next Lilo Mace, just in a Norwegian version. So instead of letting myself, you know, I could never do that. She's so lucky. And I was like, I can do that. <laughs> so let's do it. And I think action taking is important. There's so many people just talking about something, about everything they're going to do talking about what's wrong with the world, well, find the solutions yourself and make a difference. And we all have that possibility. And I don't know if you want to speak more about manifestation in general. I do. That's my next question. Yes. Let's talk about that for a couple of minutes. Yeah, it's interesting because there's some so, so many different perspectives on it and ways into it. And a lot of you guys who are watching or listening have probably seen The Secret which was great, but in one sense, I think it was um, not giving, you know, the full picture and no one has a full picture, but I think it was a bit shallow in the way it explained manifestation. You can't just think about something and it will appear. Now, I also think that there are, there are different ways of manifesting. And I think different people are manifesting in different ways. So one person could use one technique and another person could use another technique and they might have the same results. They're manifesting what they want or desire. Um, now, an important thing I've come to think about is where are you manifesting from? Are you manifesting from a lower vibrational emotion like desire or fear? I need to have this and then I'll be happy. And I have it myself. I just need to land where my boyfriend and I are going to live and then, then something is going to, I don't know. 
So I'm reminding myself constantly on, on like live here and now. It's not about where we're going to end up. Um, so I think that's a very fruitful question to ask yourself. Where are you manifesting from? Because the more you're manifesting actually from a higher vibration, the more easy it will go and the more beautiful what you're manifesting will be. Like, I think it's very good to ask or say, like when you're manifesting that, I would love to have this. Wouldn't it be nice to have this or better? Uh, so you're not actually saying that I need it to be like this. I need to have a car. This is just a simple example. I need to have a green car or green Tesla, this model. And it's going to have <clears throat> driven this long. Like if we're too specific, I think we can lose on other opportunities that the universe wanted to give us. So you can be specific, but then say, or something better or for the highest good of all. That's also a very nice sentence. If it's for the highest good of all. Uh, uh, so some people are speaking about being very specific. Other people are speaking about being more uh, general. Like I believe Abram uh, Hicks um, is speaking about being more general. And I've all often been wondering about, so isn't there one way to manifest? Like when Esther Hicks, is uh, channeling Abram and they're explaining the whole process. Isn't that then the truth of how we manifest? But I've come to, well, that's Abraham's perspective on manifestation. They have their perspective. And then there's another planetary system of beings who have another perspective that also might work. And then you have the surrendering, which I believe is the highest form of manifestation. Because when you sit down and you practice manifestation, I'm going to manifest this, I'm going to manifest my dream partner, then you're going into it, you're taking action. But when you surrender, you let it up to the universe and to God, you know, please guide me to the most wonderful partner for me. Please guide me if I'm going to have a partner. I really would like to have a partner if it's in my path. You know, that's a surrendering. And I had a teacher who was really passionate about that direct direction that said, if you try too hard, you might just end up with everything you believe you want, but it's your ego that wants it and you're trying to actually control. So she was living in full surrender. Now, I, I don't know if that's possible, but it seemed like to me that she was. And she's like, I received the most magical life that I could never have imagined because I'm so in trust with what God is giving me. Like I trust God and she talks about God. She's not religious, but she trusts the universe a hundred percent. And to me, I use a little bit of that and a little bit of this and I mix it in a cocktail. You know, when it comes to having a child, that's where I surrender. Now I'm 43. I would love a child but I don't know if that's in my destiny. So if it's going to come, it will come. And I've let the universe know that that's something I really deeply want in my heart, not from fear, I really want it, but I'm also surrendering or I'm in the process though of surrendering to, okay, it's going to be beautiful if I don't have a child also, I'm just going to have a different life, you know? And there will be lots of benefits to that. 
I can do lots more work, focus on wisdom from North, my partner, I can create a beautiful family in another way. So that's, that's the surrendering. Now, when it comes to wisdom from North, I'm more manifesting using techniques. Like I love to interview that person and, uh, uh, or having that course, I would love to work with that teacher or like, I would love to have more people who come to my YouTube channel. You know, I have numbers and all that manifesting that, you know? <laughs> so yeah, to sum up, I think there's lots of different techniques and methods, and I think you got to try it out and see what works for you. The law of attraction, I didn't mention, of course, is very much part of this, uh, that, uh, it's one of the universal laws. I think there's tons of spiritual laws. And the secret was just focusing on that law, but there are many other laws as well. So, and I also think that we, we attract what we vibrate on. So if I have a lower vibration, I'm in shame and guilt. Like if I was depressed right now, I wouldn't attract the beautiful guy I'm with now. Like I would attract to something else. So you attract what you are, I think. So looking into your vibration, I think is important. If you want a, a beautiful partner, I think the most important thing is to see how can I create much joy in my life, be joyful. And then part of that abundance will just come to you. And a part of that is that partner. I agree with everything you said. Let's create our reality and whatever vibration we're sending out is what we're going to attract. That's the bottom line to all of us. One last question as we're closing here, as we're coming to a close. Why do you think we incarnate? Yeah, great question. Great question. Well, I think it's part of the game. I think it's part of the evolution of the soul. I love the law of one material, that is channel material, that consciousness is... Uh, developing or conscious, no, consciousness I have always been, but there is a uh, evolution of the soul. Uh, so in order for the soul to grow, it needs to experience and experience and experience itself over and over again in all kinds of different versions to understand more of who it is, what it is. So I believe that I might've been a plant. I might've been a stone. I might've been part of everything. And then we, mature into being humans and then we can mature into something else like a higher version like a more buddha jesus state of being and and then it just goes from there uh into higher beings that we cannot even imagine what it's like at the same time that there seems to be a linear structure to this i think everything is happening at once and that I can be on the Pleiades right now, that we're multidimensional. And that is the part I think we can never understand, that there's some sort of linearity to this at the same time. It's happening at the same time, because in other dimensions, there is no such thing as time. But it's sort of like we buy into the time thing in order to have this experience, even though we're experiencing here still. <laughs> so reincarnation... Yeah, developing, uh, growing, expanding, being part of an illusion. Yeah, to, to rediscover ourselves. 
And uh, eventually, I think we'll come back to the whole again, uh, to oneness, which we're also always part of. But I, I think it just expands from there. I think there's a never-ending story, actually. Great answer. How can people learn more about you and your work? Yeah, you can visit my site, wisdomfromnorth.com. We have now a course coming up with Yvette Rose. She's uh, one of my favorite spiritual teachers about alchemy of your purpose. So we have a six weeks course with her and we have tons of inspirational content on my site. I have a podcast that's called Wisdom from North. I have a membership that's called Wisdom from North membership, which is really a spiritual Netflix, many of my members call it, because our members are receiving one new masterclass, like a video class with a new teacher every month that I've handpicked from my interviews, because I've met so many incredible teachers and I've invited many of them to teach on my platform. So it's really like a membership for those who want to take their journey deeper and really explore different directions within spirituality. And our core theme is self-love and finding your purpose. And we have tons of meditations there, like 60 plus meditations and exercises that you can do, like spiritual practices to really, you know, have a focus in your everyday life. And it's a beautiful community. So that's really the heart, I think, of Wisdom from North is actually my membership. So you find everything on wisdomfromnorth.com. And of course, I have my interviews on YouTube. Uh, so you can also go there and discover my over 400 interviews. Wonderful. Thank you for taking the time to meet with us. It's evening there. It's afternoon here where I am in the States. And I appreciate you giving us part of your evening to share your wisdom, not only from your own life experiences, but also from all of the people with whom you've spoken over the years and all of that seeped into your brain. And it's kind of all merged together and come out with this wonderful, I think, message that you're sharing with people from all over the world. So thank you for the work that you do. Alrighty, everybody, that's it for this week. Sending you lots of love from Sweet Home, Alabama. Mwah! And from Norway, too, from Janneke. And we'll see you next time. Thank you. Thanks for joining us. Be sure to follow Julie on Instagram and YouTube at Ask Julie Ryan. And like her on Facebook at Ask Julie Ryan. To schedule an appointment or submit a question, please visit AskJulieRyan.com. This show is for informational purposes only. It is not intended to be medical, psychological, financial, or legal advice. Please contact a licensed professional. The Ask Julie Ryan Show, Julie Ryan and all parties involved in producing, recording, and distributing it assume no responsibility for listeners' actions based on any information heard on this or any Ask Julie Ryan shows or podcasts.